is the five non-negotiables. You remember we've been doing a series, and today is the last message of the series, and we're, we're talking about helping others to achieve God's purpose, to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. That's what we're doing. And this last message, uh, what I wanted to end up with is the five negotiables, the five negotiables of, um, of helping somebody. You know, we can, uh, we, we can really do some things. Uh, uh, we can teach us so many words, so many, so many things about helping somebody. But if you want to boil it, boil it all down, uh, there are five negotiables. Now, try, try to boil it down to three at the end. And we laid a foundation when we first started. And the foundation was basically that it was not, not, it's really not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about, you know, what we want. It's not about uh, what we like. It's not about um, our job. It's not about our family. It's not about our mate. It's not about our children. It's not about our, our desires. It's about God, his desires, his purposes. That's what it's about. And until we know that, we're going to have a poor foundation that's not going to really hold up to the uh, building that God wants to build in my life, your life. We have to learn that, that I don't have to be happy. I don't have to be pleased to fulfill God's purpose. Because sometimes God's going to take us places, do certain things in our lives that we're not going to be pleased with because it doesn't fit in our uh, uh, scheme of things when we have dreams, we have aspirations, we have all those type of things. It, is just, it doesn't fit. But as you walk the way God wants you to walk, and as you get into what he wants you to get into, you realize that, hmm, this really fits better than what I thought. So you have to know that in a found, firm foundation. Another thing we talked about is that you must um, fit your plan to the, to the individual. You can't just, if you're going to help somebody, you just can't have a uh, a little booklet that you made up said, this is how you help people, and that's it. And you go through the same thing with everybody. You don't do that because uh, God doesn't do that. All of us are different. We have different uh, personalities. We have different um, experiences. We have different things that have affected our lives, so you can't, can't really work with everybody the same. But there are certain things that you, you have to do in everybody's life generally. One of those things we talked about is that you must teach sound doctrine to that person. And uh, uh, you must have the person to understand that there's a spiritual world and there's a natural world. And we can't operate in the spiritual, in, 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 a, in a natural world without realizing that the spiritual world is going to supersede and affect that natural realm. And so we want to be about what's spiritual and not what's, what, what's natural all the time because the natural things will pass away. We talked about the eternal rewards. We talked about uh, that God leads us in, th- in ways that's not convenient. We talked about uh, that God will never leave you or forsake you. We've talked about that God will test and trust us in every step of the way. We've said uh, in message before last that uh, we must walk in unity with the Spirit in unity with one another. And last week, we must feel, you must know your purpose in order to help somebody else fulfill their purpose. So this week, let's talk about the five non-negotiables if you're working with somebody. If you're going to boil it all down, what would be, you can't teach for five things. You know, you're going to impart five things. And those five things, the person is going to grasp. They're going to walk in it. They're going to, they, it's going to be a part of their lives. What are those five things that you want to impart? So I had to ask myself that, God, of all the things that I teach, what would be five things that would be non-negotiables? The first thing is that, and I believe one of the most important things, is that a person must have enough humility to listen and do what is asked. As long as it's not sin. Let me say it again. You must have enough humility to listen and do what somebody asks you to do. As long as it's not sin. That's the first non-negotiable. The first one. And if I had to boil it down to three non-negotiables, and I called my mentor and asked him, I said, what are, what are three non-negotiables? The 
the first one will be humility. Because if you have humility, you can teach a person doctrine. You can teach a person anything. You can teach them about prayer. You can teach about anything you want to teach about. The person is so humble, they won't receive what you have from them. They will grasp it. But see, a person who is not really humble, who's prideful, a person who, um, and we're going to talk about this in a message by itself, uh, when we talk about uh, this next series that we're going to do starting uh, the first of the month, we're going to do a series that's um, called How to Get Promoted. How to Get Promoted. And humility will be one of those, and there'll be a message to stand on its own, and Elder um, Dadio is going to teach that message. Humility. We'll leave that one right there and go to the next one because we won't dwell on that one today. I believe that a non-negotiable is that you must teach this person to be a person of prayer. If the person is not a person of prayer, I don't see how in the world they're going to they're going to achieve God's purpose for their life. It's just simple. It's just plain. Because I know that you must begin your prayers really for yourself. Because we have things in our lives and our hearts that need to be uh, gotten rid of by the Holy Spirit and we need to cry out to God. And a scripture that's come to me, you know, verses tells you to, tells God to search my heart, try me and know my thoughts. And see if there will be in a wicked way of me and lead me in a way that's everlasting, that's not hurtful. How are you going to pray that prayer if you're not a personal prayer? See, a lot of times we are praying for so many things, so many people, so many situations, whether it be the nation and all those type of things. But I believe that, first of all, we need to start praying for ourselves. We are, we are usually our worst enemy. It's usually not Satan, it's us. And a lot of times our flesh. And so we have to get that under control. And it calls for prayer. We can't change ourselves. We really can't. Uh, God can change us. But God needs you. He needs me to crowd for him. To re- recognize that we can't do it without, without him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. That's what the scripture says. Apart from him, he can, we can do nothing. So therefore, we need to be a person of prayer. We just teach that by itself sometime also. I want to dwell on today another of the five negotiables. We've, we've given you two non-negotiables, and we're not dwelling on those two. We said we'll teach those separately. One was, come on, humility. I believe that's the first one. I believe it's the first. But of course, you know you can't. You can't have humility unless you pray and ask God. <laughs> God, help me, you know. Help me, Lord. I, you know, I, I can't see. I can't see my false Lord. I don't think I have pride. But God, I know that my wife told me I had pride. I know that my kids have told me I have pride. I know that people told me at work I have pride. You know, God, help me. The second one we talked about was prayer. Third one, availability. Let's dwell on that one a little bit. Availability. Now, what are we talking about when we're talking about availability? Availability is, is adding strength and worth to another. Adding strength and worth to another. See, every one of us, we have strength. Every one of us, we have worth. And when you're available for someone else to Avail themselves of your gifts, your worth, your talents, your strength. Then you're adding strength to them and worth to them. It is a quality that stands ready to contribute your strength and worth to someone else. Stands ready now. Stands ready. Not reluctantly, but ready Joyfully. Availability really is making my schedule, my priorities, 
secondary to the wishes of those who I'm serving. Didn't Jesus do that? He made himself available. He really did. And otherwise, he wouldn't have been praying in, in the garden if there's another way, God, take this thing from me, this cup from me. He had to do some things, make himself available, and put his priorities second, and put God's priorities whom he was serving first. And by, thereby serving God, he served us. We need to be available for God to use us. That is one of the, probably, the most important thing that I want to get over today is that you must be available for God to use you. We are bought with a price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And our life is not our own. Our lives are His. And therefore, we're supposed to be available for him whenever he needs us. Our priorities, our schedule should be secondary to his. Now, we will all probably say they are. But I would say that we know that prayer is a priority of God. We know that. But I would say that sometimes because of our inavailability, we don't pray. Because of our schedule, we don't pray. God may be telling you, I want you to pray for your children. I've entrusted them to you. I want a godless seed. I wanted you to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The enemy wants to wipe them out. He wants, to, he wants a future that I'm going to have to be undoing what he's done in their lives. I want you to pray. Of course, we have that as, a, as an example. Because didn't Jesus pray for Peter that his faith would fail not? What if Jesus decided he was, was not available to God to pray. He's too busy. He's too tired. Availability. You cannot reach what God has for you, each individual person in here, me included. You cannot fulfill God's purposes for your life if you're not available to God. You can't do it. Because one of his purposes, which we talked about last week, was to uh, make sure you're being uh, males, men, the proper father if you're married and have children. And part of that is praying for your children. Part of that is praying for your mate. Part of that is praying for your job. Women of God, your priority should be to pray for your children. Pray for your husband. Pray for your husband's job. Pray, pray, pray. Singles, your priority should be praying for your mate to be. Praying for your children's mate to be. Praying for your jobs. Praying. If I were to take a poll of the universal church, if I were to do that, and it has been done, the report would tell you that most pastors pray a little bit. I think it's less than, less than 15 minutes a day. I think it's around five minutes a day. If you average up out all the pastors. The people pray even less than that. Sad, isn't it? When the word of God says, if my people will humble themselves. <laughs> right? Pray. <laughs> and we want to, 
you know, we look at the debates on TV or we look in the newspaper, we see all the different things that's going on in the uh, election to be. And we want to pray that this happens the way God wants it to happen. It turns out the way God wants it to turn out. But our prayers are very little. Our talk is much. Because we, we know who we want to vote for a lot of times, but, and we uh, run down the other person like they are doing, but very little prayer going on. Every church should be filled with prayer for this nation. Because God says so. He says so. There's no need to say, well, I'm not going to vote because... There's no need to complain if the one you want doesn't get in. The church is called to pray. Pray. Things change when people pray. God says so. If we humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways... Pray, he says, he'll heal the land. And that's the, you know, you can get probably the least amount of people that you can get in any gathering in a prayer room. You don't have to have a big prayer room. You have to have a large eating room. You know, no big player prayer room. That's, all, that's universal now. I'm not talking about Cornerstone. I'm talking about Universal. You know it. I don't care what size the church is. We must be available to pray because God calls for it. Availability is not always a matter of duty. <laughs> it's a volunteer uh, thing. You know, you had to have a volunteer spirit to do that. Uh, if you say, I have to pray, you know, they're making me pray. It kills the the spirit of what God wants. He wants us to He wants us to volunteer readily. Availability is adopting both the test and the sense of importance with which one you serve holds the test. I want to emphasize this now. Availability is adopting the, t- the task itself and the sense of importance of that task to the one you, you're serving. Because if you don't hold it as important as a person who you're serving holds it, then you won't see it through. Jesus held the task of dying for the sins of the world a top priority on his list. Therefore, he saw it through, regardless of what anybody did, regardless of what anybody said, regardless of how hard it was, he saw it through. Sometimes we are available, but we don't hold it important enough to see it through. We cannot be the type of people that will start many things and finish very few. Have many projects, you know, but don't finish them. We need to be one that we do what we say. If we say we're going to be there for the person, we are there for them. If we say we're going to do something, we do it and we see it through. That's availability. And sometimes you can't see the whole picture of the, of the person who asks you to make yourself available to do something. But you can ask for clarity. You can ask the person there. You can respectfully let them know your concerns, you know. Uh, but still, you've got to end up being flexible enough to be available to carry it through. Let's look at a few scriptural examples of what we're talking about. Suppose Elisha would not have made himself available. Let's look at First Kings chapter 19. Suppose he wouldn't have made himself available. Well, in verse 1 it says, and, uh, Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me even more if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now, you know, the backdrop of that is he has already uh, been on the mountaintop. He's already uh, God sent down fire. You know, uh, all the prophets of Baal, you know, that, that they, they were slaughtered. And he's pretty tough now. He outruns Ahab down the mountain, you know, his reigns, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It was a great, great victory for the Lord. And he used Elijah to do it. And here this man says in verse 3, and he was afraid. He's afraid because Jezebel said, I'm going to wipe you out this time tomorrow. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left there his servant. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Let's pick it up on verse 13. Now, he, the angel came and, and uh, gave him some food a couple of times. He went on a journey, and he got to Mount uh, Horeb where he, he was going to meet God. And um, we found that God was not in the, in the wind, the great wind. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the fire. And he uh, was in the gentle blowing, or the King James may say this, quiet, still voice. Verse 13 says, And it came about Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for you, Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They have torn down your altars, and they have killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return to uh, your way uh, to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive there, you shall anoint Hazel, king of Aram, and Jehu, the son of uh, Nimshah, and you shall anoint, uh, anoint him king of Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mehola, you shall anoint him as prophet in your place. And it shall come about the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel, Jehu shall put to death. The one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees of, that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now, we see here that God gave Elijah a command. He told him to anoint Elisha. And so, let's... If, we, if, we, if we're looking at this now, I wonder, I wonder now if, in fact, Elisha was available. God has already told Elijah, anoint him. Do you believe that sometimes God has already proclaimed something over your life, like he did maybe um, one of the, the prophets, and he says that from the, from, uh, before you were formed in the womb, I have made you a prophet. Do you think that sometimes God has already proclaimed something over your life, but you are not available? Do you believe that there are many people don't achieve up to their potential or what purpose God has for them? In the world system, you know for a fact, in the, in the, in the natural world is an example of, uh, of the spiritual things too, that there are many people never, never, Achieve of their potential. Great potential. I mean, oh man, they're awesome, awesome. You see it in athletics all the time. Oh, they're so physical specimen, man. They can run, they can jump, they can, they can throw, they can kick, they can do, they can do, they can hit the ball, they can do, they have eye, hand coordination, they're so great, but yet, they never achieve their potential. 
They're not available to listen. Not humble enough to listen to people, and so therefore they don't they don't ever achieve. And I heard I heard a lot when I see people that that um, thirty years ago that uh, I used to coach. Uh, coach, I, I I wish I would have listened. You know, I wondered would we hear that in heaven? <laughs> you know, I wish I would have listened. Once we found out what God had for us. And we didn't achieve up to it. Now, I'm not talking about man's standards now. Because, see, we can look good in man's eyes. And we can be the, the CEO of the, of the greatest company that ever would be. We can be the, the man of God, the woman of God. And everybody say, oh, man, I would like to be like this man of God. But we don't know what God has said for that woman or man of God. So, therefore, only God knows what he has planned and what he has purposed for that life. So, therefore... We can only look in the natural and say, well, it looks like they're achieving. But it might not have achieved but about one-third of what God has for them. Whereas somebody else, it looks like they haven't done their thing. But they achieved 100% of what God had for them. Let's look at another person like, uh, well, was Elisha available? We know from the story he was. Elijah, what did Elijah do? Did Elijah go chase him down? Elijah just went the way he was because he threw his mantle on him and he kept walking. Now, what was Elisha doing at that time? You remember the story, I'm sure. He was plowing, wasn't he? he, was, he was, his parents were wealthy because he, had, he was plowing all these oxen. I mean, he had plenty of oxen, so he was plowing. He didn't have to go anywhere. He had everything in the natural that he wanted, but he was available. He was available. He slaughtered the oxen, man. He, he burned the plows, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm history. I'm gone. I'm going with the call that God has on my life because I'm a father's man of God. He was available. How about Joshua in Exodus 17? Let's look there. Verse 9, so Moses said to Joshua, choose men from, uh, for us and go out fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with a staff of, of God in my hand. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I may utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Let's look at Exodus 24 and see there. What, uh, what happened there? Let's start in verse 9. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. And they saw God, and they ate and drank. Now the Lord said to Moses, and this is, I believe is a different occasion, come up, to, come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua, his servant. Joshua was available. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. But the elders, he said, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on the Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it with, for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud, and the eyes of the sons of Israel. The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountain. Moses entered the midst of the cloud, 
and he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now Moses on the mountain talking to God, giving, giving the Ten Commandments. Joshua is down below him, waiting for him. 40 days, 40 nights. The sons, of the, 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 the elders, the, uh, the priests, Aaron, Nadab, Bahu, they had seen God. They had been up to the mountain, and he left them down below and says, you know, Aaron and her, they'll be in charge. They've seen God, so surely they're available to do what God wants them to do. But I say that they, they were not available. They weren't available. They have filled their priorities and their schedule up to what they wanted to do, but they weren't interested in what God wanted them to do. But Joshua was. So therefore, Joshua, when Moses died, Joshua was the one that got the mantle, the mantle to carry the children of Israel further. And I'm telling you that you must be available to do what God wants you to do. And he'll put people in your life to help you to do his will. They're to assist him in helping you do his will. But you've got to be available to do what you ask. You've got to be humble enough. You've got to be a person of prayer to do that. Suppose Lois and Eunice, because I know that some of you are sitting here, you say, well, you know, that's well and good. I'm not an Elisha. I am not a Joshua. I'm not going to leave, you know, the, the, you know, the children of Israel anywhere. I'm just a, a plain old housewife. I want to be, uh, you know, work with my children. Suppose Lois and Eunice would not have made themselves available. Let's look at it in Second Timothy 1. Let's look, let's look there. Because I say that it doesn't matter what task it is. It matters of whether you're going to be available to carry that task out to completion. No task is too small if God gives it to you. None. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. And your mother, Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. In chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And that from your, from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I say that Lois, and we see that here, who was Timothy's grandmother, and Eunice, his mother, I say they were available to do what God had for them to do, which is to raise a godly child. Even though the husband was Greek, we know that uh, he, from an early uh, years, knew the Scripture. He knew the Scripture. That takes perseverance. That takes tenacity. That takes time. That takes being available. Children all the time don't want to learn the Word of God if they are like most children. They don't want to learn the Word of God. They'd rather play computer games. You know? But Lois and Eunice were faithful. They were faithful. They taught Timothy, the word of God from an early age. Therefore, when we um, look, when in Acts 16, verses 1 through 3, we see when Paul comes along, we see that Paul wants to take Timothy with him because Timothy has such a good report from all around, he was a, a disciple of the Lord. His mother and his grandmother taught him. What else is it said about Lois and Eunice? Did, did, they, did they lead a mighty army, you know, and defeat 
The enemy? No. What did they do that's so important that God will mention these two women in the Bible? Surely he could have mentioned many, 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 many women. Why just Lois and Eunice? I said because they were available to do what God said to do, to raise a godless seed, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and they followed it through. They held it high the same way God held it high. It was a top priority. I don't care what her husband was. She said, I'm going to raise this child the way God says raise And she raised him. And therefore, Timothy did great and mighty things. There are many, many, many men and women of God who have done great and mighty things in, 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 in history because of a mother, because of a, a father, because of parents teaching them the word of God. It's a top priority. It's a top priority. But you've got to be available. Can't be too busy, too tired. See, we're not talking about great and mighty people here. We are, but we're not. We're talking about just being available for God to do what God asks you to do. I don't care if it's raising children. I don't care if it's leading the army. I don't care if it's, you know, uh, being a, a, a inventor. I don't care what it is, you know. Do what God asks you to do and do it with all your might. Carry it through. The first non-negotiable I talked about, I just mentioned. Come on, talk to me. Humility. The second, prayer. The third, the fourth, patience. Patience. This patience is not the long-suffering patience. This patience is the enduring, enduring patience. Enduring. You will not reach your potential, and fulfill what God has for you to do if you don't have perseverance. Do you hear what I'm saying now? See, see uh, perseverance is a quality of enduring pain or trouble without complaining. Now, see, we're going to have trouble anyway. We're going to have pain anyway. But see, patience is not complaining about it all the time. It's calmly Tolerating delay, confusion, and inefficiency in others. See, we are so impatient a lot of times with other people because of their inefficiency, because of their, you know, uh, uh, weakness. And we don't achieve what God has for us to achieve. We, we don't hang in there. God says that he wants you to hang in there. If you're going to hang with him, you're going to have to hang in there. Because he's not, going to, he's not going to fulfill your purpose, your destiny, in a short period of time. He's not going to just do it the nice, convenient way. Wrap it in a nice Christmas wrap and put a bow on it. He's not going to do that. Let's look in Genesis chapter 12. We'll see uh, that... Verse 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so shall you be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Abram said, hey, does this sound pretty good? So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, uh, and Lot went with him. Now, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And he took Sarai with him, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and they went. Now, how old was Sarai? If Abraham was uh, 75, how old was Sarah? She was 65. She was 10 years younger. She was a little bit younger than he was. Now, surely this man is pretty old. 
surely God's going to bring this thing by by next year or something because he, he, he can't wait for so long because the man's 75 and she's 65. If she has one bit of childbearing left, she better hurry up because this is going to be gone, you know? So God now surely knew that, didn't he? So was it next year that all this came to pass? How long was it? See, God, is, we, we're talking about patience now. We're talking about patience because you know that if it were us out there, we were saying, okay, God, now, I'm 75 years, you want me to leave my, my, all this stuff, my home and all this stuff, and go wandering somewhere, and you're talking about you're going to make uh, uh, me a great nation and all this stuff. Come on, God. You know, surely you mean a younger somebody. You don't mean me. Our timing is not God's timing. When God calls you to do something, when he calls you for a purpose, when he has a, a, a something for you to do, he says be available and you stay available. Just hang in there because I'm not going to bring it about quickly. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have pain. But you endure. You endure. Look at Genesis 17, verse 15. Now we know that God, uh, now Abram, Abram, Abram was 99 years old now. And he, he appeared to him. He said, I'm El Shaddai. You know. Let's pick it up in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Abram, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. What would you have done? Probably we've all done what Abraham did, you know. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And it said in his heart, will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 99, no, 90 years old, bear a child? But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. So he was 99. Then when, he, when, when uh, the child came, Isaac came, he was 100 and Sarah was how old? Ninety years old. So how long did it take? When he called him out, how long did it take? So track 75 from 100, all you math students, how long did it take? Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. Was God in a rush? Was, did he, did he um, was all wringing his 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 hands and sweating bullets, you know, saying that, man, I got to hurry up. You know, this man, he, you know, because uh, he's getting kind of old. He doesn't care. He knows what he's called you to do. He knows what your purpose is. And he says, will you hang in there and endure? See, if Abraham would have turned around and gone back, because he said, it's been five years. Uh, you know, God called me out. And you know how, how, how we do in, in, in the church, you know, the universal church. Uh, we're so spiritual, you know. Uh, uh, you know, so did, did, did God call you out, Abraham? Did he call, really call you? Yeah, he called me out. Uh, where are you going, Abraham? I'm going back. Why are you going back? Uh, God says my time is up. You know. God's changes, you know, he, he, he's changed. He's, he, he's now giving me another assignment. We say that, don't we, as Christians. We say that. And, and God doesn't change his mind. We change our mind. We don't endure. Because things get hard, because it doesn't go our way, we get, we get all, you know, upset with God or with somebody who we think is causing God's plan not to go through. And we say, well, I'm history here. God has, he, he has now, uh, told me my time is up. On this job, in this church, with this marriage, with whatever, you know. And kids say the same thing, you know, well, I'm out of here, you know, I'm 18. He's, he's fulfilled everything for me. I'm 18, I'm grown. Come on. We don't hang in there. You will not fulfill your purpose if you don't hang in there and endure pain, hardship, and stay in it until you finish. 
Abraham stayed in it. We've given you four. Talk to me. One was humility. Another one, prayer. Another one. And the other one, patience. If you're going to achieve, achieve what God has purposed for your life, you need those four. And the last one is loyalty. Loyalty. And loyalty, if you look it up in the uh, biblical uh, computer or wherever you do your researches, you're going to find that it means the same thing or just about as faithfulness. Faithfulness. Because God is faith, isn't he? In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, For there have no temptation taken you but such as common a man, for, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be uh, tempted above that which you're able to will with the temptation, make a way for you to escape that you may be able to bear up under it. God is faithful. How does he want us to be? Faithful. He does. God is loyal to his covenant, his covenant people, and he still is. He still is. Even though we don't do what we're supposed to do, he's faithful. Even though we're not faithful, he's faithful. The, it was a proverb that says, a faithful man who can find. God is looking for someone who is just like he is, because that's what we're supposed to be doing, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Loyal. Loyal. Loyalty is, is, is being faithful to a person or institution to which fidelity is due. And you should be loyal in, within a family. Family members should be loyal to one another. Should be loyal. Faithful. In your marriage, you should be loyal. You should be faithful. Loyalty really is a tie that binds persons together to whom those fidelities do. Loyalty is fulfillment, is faithful in, in, in fulfilling the duty, in the promises you make, is being constant. Not consistent, but constant. Consistency is sporadic sometimes. Constancy is all the time. That's what God wants. He wants. And see, if I had to boil it down to three things, what I asked my mentor, three things. He hasn't asked me yet. Three things. I just asked him last night. But three things. If he had to do three things, if I had to do it to three things, I would choose, number one, humility. Because I believe that you can teach a person anything if they're humble enough. You don't have to worry about doctrine. You don't have to worry about prayer. You don't have to, because that's one of the things you're going to teach. You're going to teach a man to be a man of prayer. You're going to teach a woman to be a woman of prayer. You're going to teach them to pray for their children. You're going to teach that, and they're going to do it because they are humble enough to do it because they know there's the word of God. The next one will be availability. If, if a person is not available, let me tell you, you can, they can be as humble as they want to be. But if they are not available, you can't teach them. They can't achieve up to God's you know, purpose for their life because they are not available to do it. They're too busy to do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't get too busy. Get rid of some of your busyness in your schedule so that you can achieve what God has for you to achieve. I'm telling you. I wouldn't be here today if I was too busy. Too busy. But I made myself available. I wouldn't have gotten a lot of places if I wouldn't have been available. And, how, and availability, all I had to do, all I did is just got rid of some stuff that was priorities to me and made it a priority to the one who I was serving. That's all I did. And I've been doing that ever since I knew what to do. And the last one I would choose is loyalty. Loyalty. Because a person can be humble, they can be available, but if they're not loyal, you can forget it. You can forget it. 
they're not going to achieve what God's purposes for their life. They're not loyal. Yeah. They're here today, gone tomorrow. They get mad at you. Um, you know, it said in the, in the last days, you know, people are going to be uh, mother against daughter, you know, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. It's going to be all that stuff going on because love's going to wax cold because people are not loyal. Not loyal. Those will be the three that I would choose. Let's bow your head. Father, we want to fulfill your purpose for our lives. We really do. Father, we're asking you to make these things real in our lives. Make it real, Lord. Make humility real in our lives, Lord. Make prayer real in our lives. Make availability, Father, a part of us. Make patience, that endurance, Lord, something that we live by. We never give up. We never give up. We stick to what we say we're going to do. We don't change because you don't change. And Father, yes, we will be loyal to you and to those others that you place us with, Father. We're going to be loyal. We're not going to talk about them behind their back, Lord, and and, uh, uh, just leave them. You don't ever forsake us. You never leave us. So you're calling for us to do the same thing. I want to fulfill the purpose which you have for my life, the purposes. And everyone else does also, Lord. Father, strengthen us and our inner man by your Holy Spirit with might, Lord. We, we need you, Lord. We need you to do that, Lord. If there's anyone here that have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you cannot possibly feel, fulfill God's purposes. can't possibly fulfill it. But today is the day of salvation. That's the good news. If anyone here, just raise your hand and put it back down. We'll love to pray for you. Love to pray for you. For the salvation of your soul. If there's anyone here today that you say, you know, I've strayed from uh, what I know I should be doing. I know I'm not going to fulfill God's purpose for my life. I keep doing what I'm doing. God, I want to return back to you. Would you pray for me? If there's you, would you raise your hand and we would love to pray for you also. You want to return to Jesus Christ. You want to 